Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. A few verses of scripture, but I want to start out in the book of Luke chapter 24. The book of Luke chapter 24. I want to read a verse of scripture there, kind of as our uh, theme tonight. And uh, Sunday I began talking about the uh, Holy Spirit, Pentecost Sunday. We talked about the meaning of Pentecost Sunday. We talked about the uh, empowering and dwelling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about the Spirit of God. And uh, we used, uh, talked a little bit about that. I want to continue on that tonight about the work of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk a little bit about tonight something we don't hear preached a lot anymore. And, uh, and I'm sure there's many reasons why uh, we, don't, uh, we don't see a lot of it preached, a lot of the uh, message of the work of the Holy Spirit preached in this hour for various reasons, I'm sure. Um, but we need to be preaching about the Holy Spirit and His work. And we know that in these last days... If there's anything we need, we need the comforter and the great helper to be our guide in these last hours and days uh, in the hour that we live in. But I want to talk a little bit about um, today. We talked about the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given. And uh, we talked about that the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, was given, and it wasn't just for that apostolic age, that it was given once and for all. Matter of fact, Acts 2 and verse 39 tells us that the promise, which we know the promise from Acts 1-4, we know the promise of the Spirit, the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a promise that was for them, for their children and their children, and those who were afar off. And we are afar off. And, uh, but they, we do have the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Now, when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, everybody wants to talk about tongues. They think that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about tongues. It's not all about tongues. Tongues is a manifestation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so, but that's, that's not what encompasses the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's much more to it than that, and there's much more that is attached to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and we have heard all these terminologies that try to bring fear into people's lives about the reality of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. And, uh, and so I want to talk a little bit tonight. Um, I want to talk about being endued with power and what that means. And what does it mean when the Scripture says that when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, we are endued with power. And what does that mean? And uh, Because I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is essential in our Christian walk. If you're sitting here tonight and you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we want to pray for you. Not only do we want to pray for you, but this Sunday I'm going to pray for everybody that does not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not weird, and it's not loofy. It's not flippant. Uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is real. 
He is the second person or the third person of the Godhead. And, uh, and so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about it tonight. In the book of Luke chapter, the book of Luke chapter 34, I want to read a passage of scripture there. And, uh, or 24, I'm sorry, the book of Luke chapter 24. And I want you to look all the way down to verse uh, 49. We're going to go to a few passages of scripture tonight. And, uh, but verse 49, it says, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Y'all see that? Endued with power from on high. This here is Jesus, beginning in verse 44, all the way to the end of the chapter. Jesus here is speaking to uh, the disciples right before his ascension. And uh, he is uh, uh, talking about the promise of the the Holy Spirit that is going to come and fall upon them. In Acts chapter 2, he tells them to uh, go to Jerusalem and to tarry there in Jerusalem. If you will look down to verse 50, uh, or down to verse 52, the Bible says, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Okay, Verse 53, And were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. So they, Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to tarry there. I want you to uh, wait until I send the promise of the Holy Spirit. I want you to uh, pray there. And here we see that they were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God and praying, waiting on the promise in which Jesus had promised them. And we saw that in Acts chapter 1, we see that in verses 2, it says, Until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles, whom he had chosen, right, commandments. These commandments were just, I just read to you, were in the book of Luke 24, 44, to the end of the chapter. These were the commandments that he was speaking, and to whom also presented himself alive after the sufferings of many infallible proofs. In other words, for 40 days, Jesus showed himself resurrected in his resurrection, being, uh, being seen by them during the 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So here we see they are in Jerusalem. Luke says that they're worshiping, they're praying. Jesus had commanded them to do that, to wait for the promise of the Father. And so in Acts 2, we see, uh, we see the giving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you look at verse 38 of chapter 2, I'm just laying some foundation. Then Peter said to them, 
Well, actually, beginning of chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit falls upon them. They are baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, there is rested upon them tongues of fire. They begin to speak with other tongues. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, they are endued with power. But I want to show you a distinction that gets confused in the body of Christ about the Holy Spirit. In verse 38, when it says, And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's salvation. This is after Peter's message. After he was full of the Holy Ghost, the Bible said. He began to preach. 3,000 got saved that, that day. He began to say that repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And then the word conjunction, and, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, that is not the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Much different. The gifts of the Holy Spirit flow out of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? Because there's a big distinction. Because operating in the gifts of the Spirit uh, is, 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 not, uh, is a byproduct of having the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit can't flow in your life unless you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, what is the gift of the Holy Spirit? The gift of the Holy Spirit is the fact that you are endured with power from on high. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. You are endued with power. You have been infused, endued with a power. And in that power, you're able to walk out and you're able to, to, to uh, serve God with power. And out of that comes the working of the fruits of the Spirit. You're able to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. You're able to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. And you're able to perform and to serve God because you belong to Him. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have the power. You've been anointed with power. You've been sealed by God. You have been filled with the Holy Ghost. And out of that, you're able to walk in the anointing that produces the gifts of the Spirit. And so, um, I want to talk a little bit about being endured with power. What does that mean? What does that mean when we get the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be endured with power? And so, our relationship to the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, is much like our relationship with Christ. In other words, John 3.16, we all know what that says, right? It says, for God so loved the world, he gave, right? That's his gift. He gave his only son, right? And, and whosoever believeth in him shall, ha, shall not perish, but have eternal life, right? So the giving of Christ was a free gift. Is that not right? But it was a gift that was given, but what do we have to do? We have to believe on him by faith, 
and receive Christ as our Savior, right? We are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. Amen? And so the gift was given, but we had to receive the gift. We had to consciously receive the gift, accept the gift. The same faith that it takes to receive Christ is the same faith that it takes to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We receive it by faith. And I'm going to show you that in Scripture. We receive that by faith. John 1.12 said, As many as received him, so to them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. In other words, what it was saying, as many as received him or believed him, he gave them, he gave them the power to be children of God. In other words, sons of God, born again. You received Jesus, now you're a son of God. And that same relationship that we have with, the, with Jesus, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, he's not an influence, he's not a a a spear. He's not a cloud. He's not a ghost that you see at night when you've had too much pizza. He is a person. Y'all hear what I'm saying? He is the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith also. But when he comes upon us and baptizes us, all right, with the Holy Ghost, (laughs) I might be God. I don't know. (laughs) He's confirming his word. Praise God. (laughs) And so let's hope that's what he's doing. And so we receive him by faith. So it is we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and that we, uh, by faith, we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit also. Um, And we know, and so... We know this. Galatians chapter 3 says this in verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? That's what Paul said to the Galatian church. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Did you receive it by the works or deeds of the law that you did? Or did you receive it by faith? In other words, we receive the Spirit not by works, but we received it by faith. Verse 14 said, the blessing of Abraham um, might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise, the blessing of Abraham that on the Gentiles that they would receive Christ, that the Gentiles would accept Jesus as we have accepted Jesus that we might also might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. In other words, it's telling us that in order to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you receive it by faith. You don't receive it by works, and you didn't receive it by coming to Christ. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is subquential, or subquential to receiving Christ. You receive Christ, accept Jesus, Jesus comes and lives in your heart. You have the paraclete, or you have the paracleto, which means the Holy Spirit in you. But then you 
receive by faith the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit that comes upon you, which is the word epi, which means to come upon in the Greek. In other words, it is a different aspect to the nature of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? And so he says, let us observe Christ as our example. In other words, Jesus, how do we know Jesus is a great example? That, that we are to mimic what Christ did, that our lives are to be as Christ was. We're to be Christ-like. We are to mimic his life. When you begin to, he did not enter into ministry until the Holy Spirit had came upon him. He did not enter into his ministry until the Holy Spirit had come upon him. All the service that Jesus did, everything Jesus did from his baptism to his essential was done in the Spirit. When Jesus came to earth, he released his deity. He was 100% man. And while he was here, he took on man's nature Though he, was, though he was God, he took man's nature on, and we are told in Scripture that, that he was tempted in all points like us. But the way that Jesus walked through this life was the way he wants us to walk through this life. From his baptism to his ascension, he deferred and depended upon the Holy Spirit to lead him guide him and anoint him and show him and reveal to him all that was pertaining to everything that he did. He was totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. In other words, we see things in scripture like in John 4 when Jesus is dealing with the woman at the well. When the woman at the well came and Jesus said to her, she had come and we all know what kind of woman she was. She was a woman of reputation And so she would come and draw water at noon because she couldn't come in the cool of the day because of her reputation. And so when she came, Jesus begins this dialogue with her. He begins this dialogue with her and he answers her, asks her an interesting question. He says, so how many husbands do you have? Do you remember what she says? She said, I've had five husbands. And then all of, so why would Jesus, if he's all omniscient, all knowing, Why would he ask that question? I believe Jesus truly dependent on the word of knowledge and dependent on the Holy Spirit to reveal to him all he did. So then he turns and what does he say? He gets a word of knowledge and what's he say? He said, you've had five husbands and the man that you are now with is not your husband. Now was he trying to trick her? No, I believe he was dependent on the Holy Spirit that he used his life as a dependency upon the Holy Spirit. And, I, 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 and there's scriptures that confirm that. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 28, when Jesus was asked concerning the miracles that he did, he said, but I cast out demons by the Spirit of God. In other words, they were saying he was casting out demons because he was the devil and that he was, you know, how he said, how can Satan cast out Satan? Would not his kingdom fall? Jesus said, all, oh, when I cast out demons, I cast them out by the Spirit of God. Right? When asked concerning about his redemption and his death on the cross, how much more shall the blood of Christ, 
who through the eternal spirit offer himself to God without spot. In other words, he, 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 more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offer himself to God without spot. Acts 1-2, after that, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the, the apostles, he always acted in reliance upon the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus always responded and acted in accordance with the Holy Spirit, always yielding to the Holy Spirit. Now, think of the role that the Holy Spirit played in Jesus' life. The Holy Spirit uh, uh, brought conception to Mary, right, in his life. The Holy Spirit in Jesus' early life uh, let him lead a holy, obedient life. And before he stepped into his public ministry, he waited for the Holy Spirit to come upon him. Before he did any miracle, before he stepped into his public ministry, he waited for the Holy Spirit, for his timing, for the right time. When he spoke of the right time, he was talking about the moment that the Holy Spirit would come and anoint him and would come and would, and at that moment, I want you to turn to the book of Luke chapter 3 and I want you to see, we're going to look at Jesus' baptism. Something interesting happens here that I'd never seen before that I thought was interesting. So Jesus is coming down to be baptized by John. John tells them that there is one that is coming. He says, I will baptize you with water unto repentance, but there is one that is coming whose shoes I cannot tie, but he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. That's what John says. And so here we have the Bible in verse 21. Look at verse 21 of Luke chapter 3 and verse 22. I want you to see, I want to see if you notice something different here in this passage. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. So Jesus came. We know the scene. John sees Jesus, the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. John recognizes him. Matter of fact, John uh, would see the Spirit of God resting upon him, and he would know that he was the Messiah. And so John, him and Jesus, has the dialogue about baptism. And so John baptizes him. But look at verse 21. It says, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, while, listen, look at this. I've never seen this. It said, while he prayed, the heavens was opened. Now, while who prayed? It said, while Jesus prayed, the heavens was opened. John was baptizing him. While he was baptizing him, the Bible says that while Jesus prayed, that the heavens was opened. Right? What did Jesus tell the disciples to do when they were waiting upon the Holy Spirit? He said, go into Jerusalem and wait and tarry there. And while they tarried there, he said, I will send you the promise. The promise will come. 
and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The promise will come, the promise of the Father. What were they doing? They went and what they do? They prayed, and as they were praying, the promise came, right? Jesus is being baptized. They were baptized. Jesus is being baptized. As he's praying, as he's being baptized, he prays. What is he praying that opened the heavens? Now, a lot of scholars believe there was a prayer that Jesus prayed. And Jesus prayed, they believe that he prayed the prayer of the promise of the Spirit of God coming upon him. The disciples and the 120 was in the room praising God and praying for the promise. Jesus is being baptized. He prays. And most Jewish scholars believe he was praying the promise that was given in the Old Testament of the Spirit of God coming upon him and filling him with the Spirit of God. You say, well, where is that? I'll be happy to show you. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, and verse 2. Now, what I'm telling you here, this is not a controversial thing. Most scholars do believe this. This is just not some whim that that I read somewhere, most scholars believe that when Jesus prayed, he was praying the promise that was given in Isaiah 11, chapter, verse 2, Isaiah 11, 2, that Jesus was praying what? Now, Jesus is our forerunner, right? He's our example. You're getting it? Jesus was our example on this earth. He operated on dependence of the Holy Spirit. We should operate with the dependence on the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus, he, he, just, he doesn't just receive tongues and the gifts of the Spirit, but Jesus, when the Spirit comes on him, here in his baptism, the Spirit comes on him to endue him with power. And when the baptism of the Holy Ghost came on those in the book of Acts, they didn't just come on them so they could speak in tongues and lay hands on the sick and to prophesy and to give word of knowledge and to have gifts of healings and all those things. All those things are a response. But the main thing that happened on the day of Pentecost was the fact that the believers was endued with power. Y'all with me? If there's anything we need is to be endued with power. The manifestations of the Spirit will come by us walking in power, in deutimous power. We don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that we can show off the gifts. We receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it was the promise that was promised to us that we can walk in a life of power and be endued with that power in order to be Christ-like. Are you with me? Isaiah 11, verse 2, look what it says. Or actually begin in verse 1 so that you know that it is a prophecy about Jesus. It says, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of the root, out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, shall rest upon him. That word rest there is another word we're going to see in a few minutes in the New Testament. It's the same word in the Subtuagent in the Old Testament as it is in the New. I'm going to share what that word is. It is it, it's an interesting word. The word rest there 
It really means to put on. It means to rest upon. It means to take on the nature of something, to put something on as clothing, to take on a nature. For the Spirit of God rested upon him. And it said, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. Now, this is what is called by scholars, which is called the seven spirits of God. This is what scholars call the seven spirits of God. In other words, it is a picture of the fullness of the spirit of God. It is the fullness of God's spirit. That is what the seven spirits of God are. It means the seven spirits of God, they are the fullness of what God is or who God is. That is what they believe. The fulfillment, in other words, the fulfilled that day at the Jordan, the Holy Spirit came to Jesus and came upon him in the fullness of of the seven spirits of God, in other words, the full measure of the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. The full measure of the Holy Spirit. John said this, even before he baptized Jesus, he said, I will know this is the Messiah because I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he, and he the Spirit, he says, and he remaineth upon him. In other words, he rested upon him. Are you all with me? And so Jesus is being filled with the Holy Spirit to the fullest measure of everything that the Holy Spirit is. He's being filled with. The fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 11. And as John said, indeed, I baptize you with water, but there's one that cometh after me that is mightier than I, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, it refers to Jesus. Jesus talking about the seven churches. He identifies the church at Sardis in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. He said, now being at the right hand, exalted, in other words, the Son of God, Jesus, being the Son, having the seven spirits of God, Having the seven spirits of God, Isaiah 11, 2, the seven spirits of God. Having the seven spirits of God, in other words, it is Jesus again is referred to as the seven spirits of God, Revelation 3, 1, and talking about the church at Sardis, it is a picture of Jesus being the fulfillment of fullness of the spirit. It represents, in other words, Jesus being the fullness of of the Spirit is represented in the church. Jesus wants to be full, wants to be, you know, incarnated into the church. That Christ is the fullness of Christ, the fullness of his spirit in the church. Now, the reason I believe it's interesting because in Revelation 3:1, it's talking about the church at Sardis. The church at Sardis actually was an interesting church because it was a church that was uh, a dead church. It had no life in it. It had no spirit in it. Matter of fact, the, the, the recommendation that was given is that that church should come alive or to be awakened, for it is dead in 
its sins. It has been overrun by sin and lukewarm, or, or not lukewarmness, but overrun by sin. It, it, was, it was a dead church. In other words, it needed the fullness of the Spirit of God to bring it back to life again. You hear what I'm saying? And in every church in Revelation, there's a picture of Jesus in the midst of it. Why? Because there's an aspect of the fullness of the Holy Spirit that Jesus brings to our lives. And Jesus' desire is that our church be full of the Holy Spirit to the fullness and the fullest of every measure that is available to the church in this hour. Should we not? Should we not be full of the Holy Ghost? Should Jesus not be able to work in the fullness of whatever the Holy Spirit offers to us in this hour as believers? And so, what is being endured with the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? What does it mean? Well, the scripture tells us what it means. It tells us really what does that mean. I'll give it to, I'm not going to get to all of them tonight, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to get to them. I'm probably just going to get through one of them, but I'm going to give them to you right here. In other words, the, to be endured with the Spirit means three things, and I'm going to show you in scripture. One, it means to have the seal of the Holy Spirit upon our life. In other words, that the seal of the Holy Spirit. In other words, to be endured with power. In other words, when kings would seal something, they would use a signet ring to seal that document or to seal that proclamation to say that the king's approval is upon that. And so to be endured with power means that we are to have the seal of the Holy Spirit or the seal of the Spirit upon our life. There is a power in that I'm going to show you. Then there's the filling of the Holy Spirit, being full of the Holy Ghost. Now there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes on us, that comes upon us. But when we look through the New Testament, there are times when there are individuals that have been filled with the Holy Ghost in certain moments, at certain times, to perform certain tasks. In other words, the Bible says they were doing certain things, and as they were doing them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? That means that they were endured with power to finish the assignment. In that hour, in that moment, they were able to pull into the reservoir of the Holy Spirit and pull it into their life. And while they were serving, while they needed him most, in a moment, in their moment when they needed God to show up, they were filled with the Holy Ghost in that moment to finish the task that was otherwise supernatural, naturally. But then the Spirit of God came on them and they were able to be empowered to do what God had given them an assignment to do. I'm here to tell you that being endured with the power of the Holy Spirit, there'll be times in your life when the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the Holy Spirit will fill you in order to do and finish an assignment that God has given you. Has anybody ever felt the power of the Holy Spirit to come on them in order to say something, to do something, or to be empowered to do a work? 
That's the, that's the enduring power of the Holy Spirit. That's the filling of the Spirit. And then there's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. To be endured with the Holy Spirit or with power means to have the anointing of the Spirit. The anointing of the Spirit. And we'll talk about that if we can get to it. But I I do want to get to this first part, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. When you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, there is a sealing of the Spirit that comes upon the believer that gives us power. And I want to show that to you. And here, now the word endure there, I told you what the word endure means this. It means a sense of stepping or entering into a garment to be clothed with. So when Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem until you are endured with power, it means stepping into a garment or being clothed with. But it means to be clothed with in three areas. The Greek word means to be clothed with knowledge or knowing. In other words, The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us to endure us. The enduring of the Holy Spirit is the power to 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 know and to have knowledge in the Spirit. It It is to be skilled or to have power to do. In other words, or be equipped. To be skilled or equipped. In other words, the gift of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to be gift to be, to be, not gift, to be equipped or skilled at doing something. And then there's the understanding. So the, the stepping into the power of the gift of the Holy Spirit is knowledge, knowing, supernatural knowledge, being equipped with power, and also having understanding, discernment, however you want to call it. That's why the Bible says The same word that is used in the book of Ephesians when it says that we are to put on the armor of God, right? That's the same word that is used. What are we doing? We are clothing ourselves with power. We're clothing ourselves with something to, to, and in that armor of God, we have the ability to what? To be equipped to what? To, to a power to walk out or to live. Same word that is used. Now let's talk about the sealing of the Holy Spirit for the next couple minutes that we got. If you would, the Bible says, uh, uh, turn to John chapter 6, John chapter 6 and verse 27, because I want you to get the context of this passage. We're going to go to a couple of scriptures because I really want you to get this sealing of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? John chapter 6. Now, do you all remember Jesus feeding and... uh, Go down to actually look at verse 24. We'll start there. And uh, verse 24 of John chapter 6 and when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples. They also got into the boat and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, uh, 
when did you come here? Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now remember what Jesus do? He fed the 5,000. Now the multitude started following him. And Jesus said, most assuredly, uh, you are not here because of the sign of the miracle, what you saw, but you're here because you were fed in your belly and, uh, and were filled. Verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures, all right, which endures to everlasting life. In other words, do not labor for the food that perishes, but labor for the food that is eternal, that has power. And what is Jesus talking about? Which the Son of Man will give you because the Father has set his seal upon him. Do you see that? Set his seal upon him. In other words, Jesus, what's he saying? That God the Father put the seal of the Holy Spirit upon him and that people were following him because he fed them. Jesus said, don't no longer seek the natural food, but seek me because I have eternal food that, that you can eat that's eternal and Jesus here refers back to the sealing, the Father putting the seal upon him, which happened back at the Jordan when he received, or the Holy Spirit came upon him. And now, here's what's interesting. This is amazing. When a priest, whenever there were sacrifices in the temple, or whenever the, there was uh, the sacrifices for food in the temple, are the sacrifices for sacrifice in the temple that the priest, you, some of you probably already know this, the priest would go out and the priests raised their own sheep. So they would go out into the field and they would look for a lamb that was without blemish. Okay? They would, they would find a lamb that was without blemish. Why? Because that lamb had to be, had to be there had to be no blemish on him if he was given for sacrifice in the temple. That lamb could not have any defect. It could not have any blemishes on him. He had to be a pure and spotless lamb. Matter of fact, the scripture tells us that Jesus was a pure and spotless lamb. Right? So they would bring that lamb. They, he would have no defect. They would bring it in for the sacrifice and, um, and, and, and for the temple and the lamb could not have any blemish. Now, this is interesting. The way that they, would trans they transported that lamb into the temple, and the way that the priests would know that that lamb was approved or had been sealed by the high priest or by the priest to, for sacrifice or eligible for sacrifice is that lamb would carry a seal on it. And the seal was the seal of the temple. And so they would know in the temple when they saw that seal on the lamb that that lamb was spotless and that lamb had no blemish in it. Guess what they used to seal the lamb when it was brought to the temple? They would take dove's blood 
and they would dip it in a seal. And the reason they used dove's blood is because dove's blood was the darkest type of blood of any animal that the blood of a dove was almost dark, almost black. It could be distinguished from the blood of any other animal. And so they would take the seal of the temple, dip it in blood, and they would put it on that lamb. They would seal that lamb. And when that lamb was brought to the temple, it would know that it had without spot and without blemish because of the seal that was on the lamb. Are you all with me? The Bible says that when Jesus was being baptized by John, as he prayed, the heavens opened up and two things happened. There was the testimony of God the Father, right? Who said what? This is my son in whom I am well pleased, right? The testimony of the Father. And then the Bible said what? And the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus as a dove, right? As a symbolism of the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus and empowering him. What was happening there? What was happening was as all of heaven was giving an inspection of Jesus. And all of heaven was inspecting the lamb and found what John found, that this is a lamb and in this, this lamb that takes away the sins of the world. And the descending of the Holy Spirit was a sealing that the Spirit brought approval upon Jesus as the Lamb of God. Presented himself in this place. In other words, he came under the omniscience of the Father. The Father said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit came upon him. It was the seal of separation that separated him. Now listen to this. Ephesians 1.13 says, after you believed, in other words, subsequent to your believing, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Y'all get that? Ephesians 1.13, after you believed, once you believed, once you believed the testimony of God, as it says, in the book of uh, Ephesians. Once you believed, once you accepted Christ and became a believer, then came the seal of the power of the Holy Spirit, a promise. The promise of the Holy Spirit came upon your life. In other words, what seals you to God is the gift of the Holy Spirit that empowers you to live a holy life It empowers you. The seal of the Holy Spirit comes on you and separates you from the world and the rest of the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Listen, this was not done at conversion. It was subsequent to conversion. It's what came upon the converted soul. It's what came upon the converted soul. Now, I ain't got much time but I want, I want to close with, with, with a couple things. I want us to see this. At conversion, the believer received the testimony of God. John 3, says this, that when we got saved or when we come to Christ, we believe the testimony of who Christ was. Right? That's, that's, that's what happened. But 
2 Corinthians, I wish I had time to go there. I don't have time. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Read it later. It says that when we believed, the fact that we received the gift of the Holy Spirit, the fact that we were baptized with the Holy Ghost, the fact that we received the gift of the Holy Spirit is God's seal upon the believer that the believer is a true believer. Are you with me? That's the seal of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the seal of God. It is the seal of God that you are a believer, that you have trusted in Christ. It is subsequent to believing. That's why in Acts 2, 39 or 2, 38, when he said that you receive Jesus and repent it and be baptized for the remission of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus do? The testimony of the Father, heavens open, said, this is my son. This is my son. That's the testimony of Jesus, that he belonged to God, that he was God's. He was God's property. He was sent by God. That is the testimony of God. When you came to Christ and received Jesus, the Bible said you belonged to him. And the testimony of God is now you have the right to become what? Sons of God. That's the testimony. But then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is the sealing of God. It's God's seal upon your life that says that you belong to God. But now it empowers you to live a righteous life because you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And just like the seal of the dove's blood that was on that lamb to let the high priest know this lamb was spotless, so does the Holy Ghost come and purify us and seal us through the blood of Jesus with the seal of the blood of the Holy Spirit that seals us with the gift of the Holy Spirit in our life. Woo! Come on, y'all. That's good stuff. That's something that we can hang on to. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just a story. It is an event that takes place in the believer's life that is access to being sealed by the Holy Spirit. It empowers you to live a righteous life. My God, are you, I hope y'all with me. And you say, well, why is that important? See, if we hold back from the commitment to him and we wayward in our walk with God and we don't accept the fullness of the spirit, then what happens is we lose our testimony and we lose, we become self-ownership and his divine spirit and his divine signet that grace, that of grace He can't put his signet on someone who is not committed to him. Are you with me? He withholds it from those who possess his name, but yet serves the lust and the pleasures of the flesh. The seal of the Holy Spirit and the seal of God's signet cannot come on the believer if he is full of, if he is not completely yielded and surrendered to God. 
And would you believe I got a scripture for it? Turn with me to John chapter 2. Now I'm going to show you why I believe there is not a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. And I'm also going to show you why there's not a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this church. (laughs) Because in order for there to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we have to be sealed. And we have to have the testimony of God. We have to belong to Him and we have to be committed to Him only. And we cannot have things in our lives. We cannot have lusts and pleasures that are in our lives and expect the seal of the Holy Spirit to confirm that we belong to Him. We cannot have the seal of the Spirit on a, on a sacrifice that has blemishes. The Holy Spirit cannot put His mark on a people that continue, that want, that I'm, not, I'm not saying you, I'm saying the body. The Holy Spirit cannot put his seal on people who are not, who are not set apart. It can't happen. God will not put his approval on things that are contrary to his holiness and his purity and what he requires in the body of Christ. But let me show you what has happened. I never saw this. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit showed this to me today or this week. As I was studying, for, I never saw this. And you know what it made me do? It made me, it made me get into the Word of God and it made me examine myself. It was very convicting. Cletty used to say, show me where your dirty thumbprints are, and I'll show you where your life is. You know what dirty thumbprints are? The dirty thumbprints are the thumbprints in your Bible of the scriptures that you constantly read. Where are your dirty thumbprints? And if your Bible doesn't have dirty thumbprints, now, look at this. This is powerful. John chapter 2, I feel the Holy Spirit. Y'all feel the presence of God here? There's a presence of the Holy Spirit that's here. John chapter 2, look at verse 23 and 24. And when he had passed, and when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs in which he did. Listen to this. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs in which he did. Many believed. Many believed. Many believed. Many believed when they saw the signs in which he did. Many believed when they saw the blind man open his eyes. 
Many believe when they saw in the church someone who shouldn't have got saved, got saved. Many believed when someone went out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Many believed when the signs and wonders were flowing. Many believed when he broke the bread and fed the five thousand. Many believed when he healed the man with palsy. Many believed. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Verse 24, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. In other words, some translation says in verse 24 that Jesus could not commit himself to them because he knew what was in them. They committed to him, but he could not seal them. And he couldn't put his seal on them. He couldn't entrust himself with them. It it wasn't a matter of whether or not they trusted him. The question was, could he trust them? He could not put his seal of approval He could not put his miracles in them. He could not do in them. Even though they believed, he knew what was in them. And he could not seal them. The Spirit cannot put its its approval or its Holy Ghost ring. In other words, words, the Spirit of God, the Bible says, let all who name his name depart from iniquity. In other words, if we're going to say his name, we just can't believe and say his name. The Bible says we, those who believe in his name must depart from iniquity. In other words, there must be, there must be a sealing, a separation, a holiness. So what does this mean? It means this. It means ownership. It means ownership and it means holiness is what it means. That we have, that Jesus has to have all of us, and we also have to be separated unto God in purity and holiness. And I want to read this last passage of scripture to you. Before we go, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. Adam, would you come? 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. See, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit can't put his signature on something that doesn't belong to him. Just because we say we belong to him, but internally, if we are giving our lives to lust and pleasure, he cannot put his Holy Spirit on something that does not belong to him. Just as the priest could not put the signature of the temple or the dove on the lamb that had blemishes. And it wasn't a matter of the people trusting Jesus. It was a matter, can Jesus put his entrustment in them? And I'm here to tell you that in these last days, we have to understand that God wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit and give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the gift of the Holy Spirit is for ownership. 
It is for sanctification. It is for purification. And if we would make the commitment to be pure before him and to set ourselves apart, then he would endure us with power to live in in an unhindered Christian life. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. This is what it says. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. The Lord knows those that are his. That's ownership. The Lord knows those that are his. Beginning of the verse, it says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having what? This seal. The foundation of God stands having this seal. What's the seal? The Lord knows those that are His. How many know God is omniscient? God knows us. God knows who we are. God knows if we belong to Him or not. God knows what we don't know. And then having this, and then let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. That's holiness. That's sanctification. That's purity. That's the holiness of God. That's our dedication to God. That's our, that's our separation. That's God separating us unto Him. That's God separating us unto Him. Hallelujah. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Spirit is to empower us. It's to bring a seal on our life to separate us unto God, unto holiness. If we want power and anointing in our body, in our lives, we have to be separated unto God. We have to belong to Him. I'm telling you that if we pursue holiness and purity, the Holy Spirit will fall on this place like we've never seen the Holy Spirit fall on this place in all of our lives. Y'all hear what I'm saying? If we give ourselves to purity, if we give ourselves to holiness, I'm telling you that's why the power is not in the church. That's why there's no power in the church. Because we, we don't belong to him. We belong to everything but him. And we believe his name and we believe the miracles, but the Bible says, but Jesus... did not put his trust in them. That's a powerful scripture in John chapter 2. I'm telling you, that's powerful. Because it means that you just, you just don't believe on a whim and God just does whatever. You know, we just, you know, well, God, I'm here. You should be happy. Well, God, I, I, you know, I made it three weeks. You should be happy. No, God says, no, no, no. No, you are a sacrifice. Offer our bodies as living sacrifices unto God, holy and acceptable unto him. Our lives are a sacrifice. If you belong to God, you're a sacrifice. You're his. You belong to him. You don't belong to anybody else. You belong to him. We belong to him. And he does with us his will. He does with us what he chooses to do with us. And when we are obedient, there's a seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes on our lives. And it empowers us. 
There is a fulfillment, a fullness of the Spirit that comes on our lives. The fullness of the Spirit came on Jesus when he was baptized so that he could go out of that baptism and the Bible said the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. Because after we're sealed, we're full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said Peter got up on the day of Pentecost full of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit fell on him. He, had, he was full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said in Acts chapter 4, they began to preach Jesus and they stood up, not denying him, beginning to preach the gospel full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said that Stephen, in his testimony, was a man full of faith and full of what? The Holy Ghost stood up in Acts 7 and began to testify to Jesus before he was stoned. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Woo! When you're sealed, you're full of the Holy Ghost. The gifts is not what identifies the church. Because believe, people can believe the signs, but the anointing falls upon the seal and the holiness of the body. Stand with me if you would tonight. I had lunch with Brian today, and we were talking about our old lives. And I was telling him a story that shortly after I got saved, that shortly after I become a Christian, I mean, I radically got, I mean, I got saved, y'all. I got saved. And y'all know my life was such a mess, such a mess. I had such a wreck in my life, such a wreck. I drank so much. I'm telling y'all, it just was. And so a month, I was telling him a month after I got saved, the Holy Ghost I got full of the Holy Ghost. I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And a friend of mine, I don't know why I did it, a friend of mine was like, hey man, hey Shane, let's go to the club. I was like, man, I, you know, I don't know. I, so I reluctantly went because the opportunity to witness, I was an immature Christian. I, I knew that that wasn't good to go back into places like that. I don't advise that to nobody. So what happened was I went back into this, this club we used to go to in Cincinnati, it was called Rendezvous. It was up on campus. And I went back to this club with him. And I went in, and I'm standing there, and I'm thinking to myself, these people are crazy. I thought, did I act that stupid? Was that really me? And I had no desire for alcohol. Now, I've only been saved not long. I'm telling you, I loved, y'all, I love beer. I love cold beer. I mean, I drank and drank and drank. That was my life. I drank. And I'm telling you, when God saved me, he took that taste away from me immediately. It was a supernatural thing. And you know what it was? It was being empowered from on high. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that came into my life and filled me with the Holy Ghost. And the seal of purity came on my life, and I lost the desire for it 
because I was God's. I belonged to Him. He sealed me with the Holy Spirit. I truly belonged to Him. I had no desire for it, and I left there and I thought, man, that is the wildest experience of my life. The crazy experience. Now, I don't know if you had that experience or not, but that was part of my salvation experience. That was part of my coming to Christ. And I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit, He can fill us, He can give us power. But what a sad statement that they believed in Jesus and his name and the signs that he did, but yet Jesus did not entrust himself to them because they did not belong to him. God, help us this tonight. Holy Spirit, help us. Holy Spirit, help us. Would you just lift your hands tonight? I don't know if this spoke to you tonight. I don't know. But, I, but we don't talk about the empowering of the Holy Spirit anymore. We don't talk about the enduring power. We are sealed. We are filled with the Holy Ghost. And then the Bible says we are anointed. Jesus was anointed. The Bible said in Luke chapter 4, the Bible said he went into the temple and he opened up the scroll and he said, for the Spirit of God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel. The enduring power of the Holy Spirit is to anoint you, to empower you to do his work. There's a call on your life and the anointing is to to, to to supernaturally infuse that call for you to fulfill what God has called you to do. If God's called you to be a teacher, you're anointed to be a teacher. If God's called you to be a businessman, you're anointed to be a businessman. If God's called you to be a mom, you're anointed to be a mom. Thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, let your spirit fall in here tonight on us. Seal us with the Holy Ghost. God, we pray, we belong to you. As Timothy said, the foundation of the Spirit is that we belong to you, that there's ownership, and that, that we that desire to serve you. We cannot allow iniquity in our life. Seal us, God. Seal us, God. Seal us, Holy Spirit, tonight. Bring your seal of the Holy Spirit upon us. Fill us to do mighty works, to do mighty utterances. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Fill us in that moment of need when we surrender ourselves. Be ye filled with the Spirit of God. Be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, come. 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 Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.